Welcome back to Social Soul Podcast. My name is Jess. And I'm Haley, and we are so excited about the guests that we have joining us today. We have Hannah Dordick, who is the founder of the Sober Space app, and she's a meditation teacher. And there's so much stuff that we want to talk to her about, so many similarities and things that we think you guys will resonate with. So thank you so much for being here, Hannah. Thank you for having me. Um, So we're definitely going to get into all things sobriety, chronic illness, business, all things like that. Um, But I do want to start this out just by talking a little bit about your specific sobriety story and how that got started, um, how it's evolved over the years and really where you are now with your sobriety. Yeah. So my um, addiction began when I was a, a teenager in high school. And my main issue was actually drugs um, rather than alcohol. So I had a heavy drug use. um, I think I guess it like started around like when I was 15. Um, And then it just continuously got worse. I ended up in outpatient rehab the summer before my senior year. Technically, I... I was sober for the drug that they had put me in there for, but I was not sober completely um, because I was able to fly under the radar (laughs) um, with some stuff. But I was able to pull myself together for senior year and graduate. And then I went off to college and everything got worse. Um, The drug use got worse. My drinking got not great. They used to know me as the person who'd walk around the quad with a bottle of Amsterdam. What is that? Is that like a type of alcohol? Yeah. So it's like a vodka, but I would pour for the weekend, I would pour half of it out. And then, so I'd had half of like vodka in the bottle and then half like Diet Coke or Coca-Cola in the other. And I drink the half of it one night. And then the next night I drank the rest of it. Gotcha. God damn. That was like the thing that I did. We used to do something sketchy like that too. We would take a Simply Lemonade bottle and pour a full bottle of vodka into it. Yes, I did that with uh, Powerade bottles. But then the drug use got worse. I ended up leaving college. This was 2012. Um, I left college more than halfway through the first year. I came back home and I'd like... I guess I like my my drug use got better. I wasn't using like a lot. Um but and I was like, you know what? I think I'm good to go back to college. So I went back to college and I went right back to the same environment and I was like, it just got so much worse. I was really into psychedelics. Um specifically um LSD and 25i. I've never even heard of that. 25i. <laughs> it's like fake acid. Um, it's basically just like, I think it's just like a bunch of chemicals put onto a piece of paper that's like, it's like a tab of acid, but it's not. And it's like, it's very different than like regular LSD and obviously like a lot more dangerous. <laughs> um, but that was kind of like, that was like the last drug that I really used because my friend Sarah, um, she lived off campus and her roommate had like, was like the plug, you know? <laughs> and um, I went over there and I got two tabs of the 25i and I was like thinking, you know what, if I take it now, by the time I get back to campus, it'll have kicked in. And like every fiber in my body was like, just don't do it. 
just wait till you get back to campus. So I was like, all right, like I'm going to wait to get back to campus, like whatever. So I got back to campus. My dorm slash apartment was not even like five minutes away from where I parked my car. I took the tabs of acid. And by the time I got to the top of the stairs of my building, I was heavily tripping. And I was supposed to meet up with a friend. And I just remember being on the floor against the wall, having like foam kind of like in my mouth. Um, I really think that was just like the tabs because they were like full of chemicals. So that was like the foam, but I couldn't move my body. And like my eyes were like rolling to the back of my head and I was slurring my speech. And I just like, I couldn't like move half my face. It was just, it was horrible. I like, I don't remember coming to or whatever. I just remember like, I don't remember much, but like I remember like being in my room like completely fine afterwards. I don't know how long it lasted, but they suspected it was like a mini stroke. And then, I mean, like afterwards I was completely fine. Like I didn't think anything of it. I was like back to like, just like normal tripping and stuff like that. And then um, later that night I had like a horrible, the worst migraine of like my entire life. Um, It hurt to like breathe. And then afterwards, that's like when my eyesight got bad, my eyes started to turn inward and like go cross-eyed and that's when the double vision began and I was just kind of like, I'm done. So November of 2013 is when I entered recovery and then I got my eyes fixed in 2015. Did you say November 2013 is when you entered recovery? Yes. November 4th. Wow. Um, so did you go back to treatment or anything like that when you decided to quit? Or was it just a decision you made and just moving forward you just didn't use? Or um, I had thought about it the first time I left college. Um, the second time, I decided not to. It was just really not, not something that I wanted to do. Um, I, what I really wanted to do is I wanted to go back to my support system, which was like my family um, and some of the friends that I had around here, even though that they like did drugs, um, they were like super supportive and helpful and everything like that. It was just nice to be around a familiar environment. Um, and so I just kind of like stuck with that. I, the first year of my recovery, I wouldn't say that I didn't do anything. Um, there were the moments of maybe I'll have just like a little bit of Molly here, see what happens. Maybe I'll have like a little bit, like I'll just try LSD again and see what happens. Um, it was only like two or three times, but. Enough to like test the waters and. Yeah. Those few times that you did try things like little by little, did you have the same feeling like afterwards where you're like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't do this again? Um, it's hard to rem- my memory is not that great. <laughs> um, it's hard to remember, but since I didn't continue to use it, I'm assuming that my I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Um, I did have an experience. I have actually done LSD once um, in the past five years. Uh, it was like way after. I mean, I. Don't, I Again, my memory, I'm not 100% correct when, but it wasn't like too, too long ago. 
where I was like, I'm just going to try LSD again and see. I'm like in a comfortable environment. I'm with like my friends um, that I trust and everything like that. And I did it and I was like, fine. And like, everything was like all good. But like, I had like a realization. I was like, I don't want to. I'm completely fine. Never doing this ever again. I ended up getting acid shits. And I was like, I'm definitely done with this. (laughs) I didn't even know that was a thing. It's, it's not, I mean, it's like rare, um, but it definitely happens. Now, I know that you mentioned that alcohol wasn't really like your a problem for you or anything like that but I am kind of curious where alcohol like falls into this timeline uh I know like you said your memory is not the best um but I'm just kind of wondering when you decided to remove alcohol and like kind of how that came into play yeah so the past couple years I actually my memory is like better um it's just there's a chunk of my life I'd say probably 10 years of my life where I'm just kind of like, I don't know. Um, alcohol. I quit alcohol a couple years ago for a few different reasons. Um, I didn't necessarily have like a, it was more of a, when I went out, which was rare, but I went out, I couldn't just have one drink. Um, and that's probably because uh, I'm gluten free. I can't have any gluten. So back in the day, I used to love craft beer, and that was, like, I loved that, and I was able to have one, and, like, completely fine, like, no big deal. But since I can't have craft beer anymore, like, when I go out, I automatically go to, like, a Jack and Coke kind of thing. I can't just have one of those. It's so easy to suck it down, you know? Um, So I would go hard when I, like, went out, and that's a problem for me. Um, And then health-wise, I have a, like, a thing called Gilbert's syndrome, which affects like the liver and like the breakdown um, of like, like the bilirubin. I have like high bilirubin and stuff like that. So like the hangovers, it, like alcohol, um, it can't break it down correctly. Like it takes a while. So the hangovers were like a couple days and not just like the next day, but it was like a truck hit me for like a couple days. Um, and then my endometriosis, since once that got like really bad, I had like one cider once and I vomited like everywhere. Um, it was bad. And then the very last time I had alcohol, it was, um, a couple days after New Year's and I just went way too hard. And I was like, I don't, I'm lying in bed like the second day afterwards. I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I had already been like questioning, like, I don't really want to do this. And like the times of like drinking stuff like that, I like had spaced it out and I was like, I don't really want to. I was questioning, I guess. Um, just yeah. playing with the idea. And then I was like, you know what? I'm done. I think a lot of our listeners can probably relate to that because we do have a lot of people who have chronic illness, who alcohol doesn't really interact with their body very well. So they're in this place of questioning when and why they drink. So Thank you for sharing that with us. Personally, I can definitely relate to the story you just told about the gluten-free and not being able to enjoy craft beer because that is the same shit that happened to me. I was so into craft beer and then got told I shouldn't have gluten in my life anymore. And I struggle with the same thing. If I go out and I want to have a drink, I'm like, I am not supposed to have a beer, but beer is really what I want. And then I have a vodka soda and then I'm like, this doesn't even taste good. So I just, I feel like I do drink more of them. 
Whereas like drinking one delicious tasting beer to me was totally fine. But then I'm like a vodka soda. This is terrible. I might as well drink five of them. I don't know why that happened. Yeah, I don't. I don't know either. Um, I think also because it's a lot easier. Like you just sit there and enjoy the craft beer instead of with the, with you just suck it down. You know, like just getting it over with. You know, onto the next. And then there's also like I tried cider for a while, and I really liked the dry cider because it was like less sweet. But there's only so much like cider that you can have. It's, very sweet and you know i agree um also sulfites and like cider and wine can they fuck me up i I imagine a lot of people with chronic illness probably suffer from sensitive to sulfites as well so just pointing that out to people i'm curious like when all of the chronic illness stuff popped up for you like have you always had weird ailments and things like as long as you can remember and then it just progressively got worse or what's the story there um I'm gonna say no I mean one recent one that like I've started to like so I have hypermobility um and so I'm gonna be tested I'm going to a geneticist for like heads um and um, I've had that like all my life I grew up as a ballerina dancer um and so like the flexibility was like off the charts I was able to do like the party tricks you know um but I didn't really ever have, like, problems. Like, nothing hurt me. Um, I didn't start to have any issues until I think it was, like, 2015. Um, and um, <laughs> uh, that's when my chronic migraine started. Um, I was just having, like, a migraine every single day at the same time, basically. I'd leave, like, a class. Um, I was going to community college at the time. I'd leave a class, and I'd immediately get, like, a migraine on the way home. And I'd have to go home and, like, nap every single day. And it got so bad that I was like, I have to, like, figure out what's wrong with me, you know? And that's, I mean, that's when my chronic migraine started, and that's when that journey began. Um, And for a while, it was pretty good. And then just, I guess, things in my body just started to progress. <laughs> and, like, since then, it feels like everything has it's just been, like, one thing after another. I can relate to that for sure. Can you explain a little bit further or, like, in-depth chronic migraines? Because I feel like – I don't know the word I'm looking at, but people – just like downplay chronic migraines, not the people suffering from them, but the people that don't know anything about them. Migraines are very complex. There's like a bunch of different kinds. And so like I have migraines with auras. Um, So that means like I get symptoms way before the actual like head pain starts. Um, Like light will bother me. Um, Sometimes, like, my sight will get all messed up. Sometimes, if the migraine's really bad, my that's when my double vision will start um, happening again. Um, and my migraines, I can't speak for, like, everyone else, but, like, my migraines, um, they, they, I mean, they change. Sometimes I'll have, like, a migraine that's kind of, like, nagging, where, like, I have head pain for, like, a whole week um consistently just like chilling in the background that's like would be considered like a headache but it's a little bit more intense because I'll have like neck pain along with it 
um, when I get like a migraine attack, um, like a bad one, it's always the neck pain for me. I, that's one of like the biggest, um, symptoms I have. Um, my jaw will start to hurt. My teeth will hurt. Um, sometimes like I'll lose my eyesight a little bit. Um, uh, bending over will just, it feels like all the blood rushes to your head in like 0.2 seconds. And it's just like, it, the best way I can describe it is it feels like something is squeezing your brain on the inside. Um, but what helps me is actually squeezing my head. It's very weird. <laughs> um, but it's, I mean, it's very complex. Like my, none of my migraines are exactly the same every single time, um, which makes it very complex and migraines are different for everyone you know. Yeah. What are some things that you've found helpful that you've been doing? Um, so I tried a bunch of medications, um, in the beginning propanolol worked, um, and then it stopped working, um, which tends to happen a lot, um, with migraines and stuff. Um, so I get Botox now, um, every three months I get Botox and, um, that, has been helpful. Um, not as of late because I've had a lot of inflammation in my body. Um, but usually it's quite helpful. Um, I haven't found an abortive pill that works yet. So when I do get a bad migraine, I just kind of have to take it and just like lie down and cry it out. Sometimes it hurts to cry. So I don't cry. Um, also crying is a trigger for me. So there are a lot of triggers. (laughs) Um, but, um, I have like these, I have like this eye mask, that's like very tight and like you can warm it up and you can make it cold or whatever but sometimes I just like it sometimes cold is a trigger for me so I just put it around my head and it's really tight and so the pressure feels really good when I didn't have one of those I just took a like a t-shirt like a long t-shirt and I wrapped it around my head and just tied it and it like covered my eyes and it felt it feels really good (laughs) but that's basically like all I have right now yeah I think you know the whole like feeling like there's pressure but then also putting more pressure helping I feel like that that works for like ovarian pain too I'm like it feels like my ovaries are squeezing themselves except I tell my boyfriend I'm like can you just like sit on my pelvis please (laughs) (laughs) I'm like I don't know why this helps but it does does he really do that let me just go sit on your belly (laughs) um tell us or tell us and the listeners, I guess, a little bit more about the endometriosis stuff. I personally really want to hear about it because my my doctor is pretty convinced that I have it too. Um, but as we know, most of those chronic illnesses are those like it's totally different for everybody and it can be different severities for everybody. So I would just love to know like your personal experience with endometriosis. Yeah, I mean, I've always had, like, horrible periods, um, but of course I thought they were normal. Um, I had the same gynecologist for years, and, like, once I started having pelvic pain um, quite a few years ago, I can't remember exactly, but um, I was, like, having, like, all this pelvic pain, just, like, like, normal day, not anywhere near ovulation or my period, And I was like, what is wrong? And I like go to the gynecologist and she's like, 
describing to me like ovulation I'm like I'm not like I'm not ovulating like what and she did like a blood test and like my estrogen was high but like I guess that was not like a concern for her so I was like you know what I'm just gonna change gynecologists my therapist gave me like a recommendation of a gynecologist and she was also the first person to tell me that I had a tilted uterus um which can like cause like just various issues you know um but then she was also the first person to be like you're in pain and that's not normal and it sounds a lot like endometriosis she gave me like uh a card to one of two surgeons (laughs) um in my area i was able to actually like get surgery like super quickly um they were convinced obviously that it was endometriosis um my symptoms were very different than my reoccurrence that I'm having now um back then it was like I mean I would get the like the endo belly um but it would last only probably like a day to two days um it wouldn't last very long and I would have like the pelvic pain but it would like come and go and it wasn't that bad um sometimes like around my period I would get like contractions it was basically like I was giving birth I thought I was gonna vomit and shit my pants at the same time god I feel that (laughs) um it's it's horrible but um I, I had surgery and like after the surgery I was like wow like this is what like normal period like I had like not the first period afterwards because it's a little rough but like the second period I had after surgery I was like oh my god like, am I having, like, a normal person period right now? Like, I'm having, like, almost no pain. Like, what is happening? And then the pain started to come back around my periods. And um, uh, I ended up going on birth control. And everything was, like, super fine. All good. Not having periods anymore. I was feeling great. Um, and then one day... Back in November, I blew up like a balloon and it has not gone down since. Um, So for five months, I think it is now, um, I have been distended to the point where I look very pregnant. (laughs) Um, I have pelvic pain every day, um, nausea, um, and a host of just like other like pain and stuff like that um I also recently just got my period for the first time in 10 months so that on top of it is just wonderful (laughs) um and then I also found out I found a specialist that could help me in New York City who unfortunately can't do the surgery so um because insurance problems (laughs) um but I also found out that I have adenomyosis um which is like enlargement of the uterus um which can also cause uh painful periods and stuff like that um and the only cure for that is a hysterectomy um so i'm like waiting to see soon when i can have another excision excision surgery which is where they think a lot of the distension is coming from um for the endometriosis and then also hysterectomy for the adenomyosis so i feel like i hear often with people with endometriosis having the surgery to get it out and then in a few years going through the same thing again 
I feel like that's a very common thing I hear. Yeah. Um. So the, obviously, like, there's no cure for endometriosis. Um. They don't even know exactly why it's happening. It acts like a cancer, but it's not a cancer because it technically can't kill you. However, it can fuse your organs together. Um. There actually was a young woman who did die because um, the doctors kept dismissing her. And all of her organs were, like, failing, and she ended up passing away after surgery. It's the same shit they say about Lyme disease. Oh, it can't kill you, but it can make your organs fail, and that can kill you, so. Some people have, like, kissing ovaries, so that's when, like, the ovaries, like, fuse them together. Um, It's also possible that my tilted uterus is because endometriosis has fused my uterus to the back wall, I guess, or whatever. Um... But the thing about endometriosis is, like, it can grow right back, and it can grow back in the same exact place. Um, It can grow on, like, uh, scar tissue, and it's just, it just, like, it's a never-ending kind of thing. Um, And they're like, birth control will, like, make it, like, better and help the symptoms. And, like, I was on birth control for months that stopped my period and look at me now <laughs> um i don't think birth control helps <laughs> so they just i mean the gold standard of treatment is the excision surgery i mean that's all we have at the moment i remember explaining to my doctor for the first time one of my menstrual cycles and like what it felt like and he was like are you sure that you weren't pregnant because this sounds like you had a miscarriage and I was like then I'm having a miscarriage once a month but like no dude this happens every single month there's no way I'm getting pregnant every month I was asked um they were like um because of the distension that I have and I, I look pregnant so and I have all the symptoms of being pregnant pretty much and they were like, just take a birth control test. I mean, not birth control, a uh, pregnancy test just to make sure. And I'm like, based on the last time that I had sex, <laughs> I would have already given birth by now. <laughs> I think I'm fine. Right now, I feel like I the point that I'm at with it is I'm I'm so nervous to like even look into it further just because I've heard so many stories of people going through the surgeries and then like it even within a few months, like being back. And obviously insurance is such a pain in the ass when it comes to getting anything done. And me being somebody who has chronic illness, I go through this all the time with everything else. And so I'm like, do I even want to add this to my fucking plate or do I just want to keep suffering for now? (laughs) So currently where I'm at, I'm just continuing to suffer and hoping that it doesn't get worse, which obviously there is a good chance that it's just going to keep progressing. But I just appreciate you sharing that so openly, everything about it. So a lot of people that have endometriosis can also have the adenomyosis, and that's like a progressive disease um, that can cause uterine prolapse um, and stuff. So like, you're going to, like, the problem is you're going to face, like, a lot of people, like, oh, your labs are normal. Oh, your ultrasound's normal. Oh, your MRI is normal. And, like, everything can be normal, (laughs) except you can have endometriosis which is what happened to me and happens to like a lot of people unless your organs are fused together and you can see it on an MRI there's like no test to like unless you just got to get in there yeah because the surgery for it is is mainly 
called an exploratory surgery, isn't it? Like they don't really even know what's going on until they actually go in for surgery and cut you open and then can see. Yeah, yeah. And then that's when they'll like they'll remove stuff and they'll send it away for like biopsies and stuff like that um, to like confirm that it is endometriosis. Um, although most of the time people like if it's like a specialist um, and they know what they're looking at, they're like, OK, then yeah, this is definitely endometriosis. Yeah, it's uh, definitely on my list to figure out eventually. I'm now in a new state, so having to get new health insurance and new doctors, and I feel like I'm starting my whole medical journey over again right now. So um, we wanted to talk to you kind of about um, cannabis, too, and like how that how, – like, do you utilize that? Has it helped you at all? What do you, what's your take on that? Yes, cannabis has been the only thing that has been helpful. Um, it's actually been – there are some scientific studies um, about how cannabis helps um, endometriosis patients. I can believe that. Because it also helps cancer patients. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way we're seeing it is, you know, I mean, endometriosis, like I said, it spreads and acts like a cancer, but it technically, according to doctors, can't kill you. Um, but – um, I use cannabis. Um, I used to, the, the controversy is that it's a drug and that it's a mind altering substance. Um, however, like in the past, did I smoke too much weed? Of course. <laughs> um, but I took like a long break and like my body just reacts to it differently now. And I don't know if that's because like I'm in pain now all the time and it just like helps that. And like, I feel like more like relaxed because I'm not in pain. Um, but I use um, cannabis primarily for endometriosis, pelvic pain, um, sometimes some nerve pain that I have. Um it doesn't help with my chronic migraines. I know it does help some, but it actually makes mine worse. So when I have a migraine, I just don't use it. Um, but I have my little vape pen, um, which I can just, that mainly, mainly helps with the nausea. Um, and then I have a cream, like a topical like lotion that's like one-to-one. So it's like CB, half CBD, half THC. And, like, I like to rub it on the area, and it makes it all, like, tingly and, like, cool, minty. Like, it's a very nice feeling. I got that in Washington, actually. <laughs> um, and then I I really like edibles because um, it goes straight to my digestive system, and it makes everything just inside feel nice. It's more of, like, a, it's a body high instead of a head high, really. Um, which makes everything feel a lot better. But I like one-to-one, which is half THC, half CBD. So it's really high CBD and like regular THC. I was totally going to ask you what kind you prefer. I'm a one-to-one person as well. I feel like it doesn't get me as stoned because it has so like an even amount of CBD in it. And I feel like it does hit pain better for me. Um, I also do utilize it for nausea because my pelvic pain that I get comes along with very bad nausea and I like can go days without eating if I don't smoke because I'm just looking at food makes me sick. It helps nausea so much. Yes. It's, I I love it. Like I'll be so nauseous. Like I can't eat anything, but my body's like nauseous because I'm not, because I'm not eating anything. (laughs) 
I am kind of curious too, because I know when I've personally shared about using cannabis and now that I don't drink, it can be quite controversial in the recovery community. Um, so I'm really just curious, like why you think that this is so important to share and why you have incorporated this into your message on social media, because I know like I said, how controversial it can be, but you also know how beneficial it could be. So I'm just curious why you think it's important to share. Um, I have been met with lots of criticism <laughs> and judgment from the recovery community, which is a little bit ironic um, because those of us in recovery um, are judged by normal people all the time. So why would we judge others? No, I definitely get that. I mean, Jessica's the only one that encouraged me to like open up and share about the fact that I still use cannabis, even though I don't drink. But I just think it's a really important conversation to be having within the recovery community because it just shows like that there are different paths and different opportunities for different people. So I just really respect you for like putting that out there and sharing it and taking that kind of criticism as a way to kind of help other people. I think that that's super cool. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, why do you care that I am saying that I'm sober, but I'm using this as a medication? It's the same thing as like, oh, I'm sober from pills and like all that kind of stuff. And here I am using it again for my illness, potentially causing another addiction. But instead, I'm taking the safest route possible for me. And yet you care, like, oh, you're smoking weed? You're not sober. Like, why do you care? Why do you care? At the end of the day, why do you care? It's kind of the same thing, too, when people stop using, like, hard drugs and they continue to drink. I mean, they still get the credit for getting clean. You know what I mean? I say that I've been sober for eight years, eight and a half years almost now. Even though I didn't quit alcohol until a couple years ago. Um, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, I've been sober, uh, from drugs for eight years and blah, blah, blah for alcohol. Like that's stupid. I'm not going to say that, but I also like, I didn't have necessarily like an issue with alcohol. And I wouldn't say that that was like my addiction. I didn't have like a problem. I just was like, it's time to cut out alcohol because I can't just, my body can't take it anymore. But like, I had an actual problem with drugs and that's what I'm sober from everybody's experience is so different and that's why we feel like it's so important to talk to people like you and share these stories because it's like not everybody's journey through something is going to be exactly the same as how you know your journey was and I think Kaylee and I have really that's it's one thing that's like we've really had our eyes opened to like me going through chronic illness and her going through the like not drinking anymore is like, holy shit, there are so many different versions of the way people go through this. There's so many so many people I know with the same chronic illnesses as me that have had entirely different journeys than me. And it's just like you can't put that judgment onto people when their experience is so different from you. There's no one box that someone fits into with addiction or just alcohol use, drug use, whatever. Um, and there's like, you, you don't have to support it. I mean, you don't have to agree with it. You don't have to like it. It may not be your thing, but like, for the love of God, just fucking support it. Like, it's not, it's someone who's bettering their life. Um, 
and yet you're like like picking at like away at like how good they feel about like cutting something out and it's like why would you do that it's just gonna also in in turn it can be dangerous for like judging someone who's feeling good about their sobriety or like whatever pathway that they have chosen um and your criticism causes them to like go back to using it's like can we not (laughs) i always say too if like the way that somebody's living their life isn't hurting anybody else then like why why do you care just let them do it i went through a um a recovery coach certification um here in new york um it was like a new york based program kind of thing where you would like work um in like recovery centers and help um people just like kind of like a life coach but help them like with the recovery and stuff like that but also like find them housing if they're homeless and stuff like that um and the biggest thing is like being there like I was one of two people who still smoked weed but everyone else in the room was like abstinence 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 and it's like the recovery like the teachers leading the certification were like if someone says they're sober they're sober like that was like the biggest takeaway I think for like everyone like abstinence is not the goal for everyone and also like you have to meet people where they're at at the same time if someone wants to only use heroin on the weekends or every other day that's progress (laughs) like that's great that's someone bettering their life and I mean, if someone wants to eat, smoke weed, because they're nauseous as hell and they can't eat, <laughs> who cares? Like they're bettering themselves, and it's just. I kind of find it interesting too because I don't. I feel like if you wouldn't like proclaim that I'm sober or like you wouldn't have quit these other substances nobody would give you criticism for smoking weed it's simply because of the fact that you've cut out these other things and kept this one thing in your life that people feel like they can cast judgment on you so I just find that really interesting that we have this like all or nothing mindset and that's simply not how it is I think humans in general have an all all or nothing kind of mindset but there's so much gray area We are the queens of gray area on this podcast right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. So the next thing I do want to talk to you about and ask you about before we start wrapping this up is actually the Sober Space app. So we've actually talked about this on the podcast before. So our listeners have probably heard about the app. They know that I work for the app. Um, We've talked about kind of like how to utilize it in your alcohol-free experience and I just kind of wanted to hear from you a little bit about why you started the Sober Space app and then if you have any advice for female business owners. Yeah. Um, so initially I started Sober Space because um, I'm lonely as hell <laughs> and I have no, um, technically I have one sober friend, but she's never been into like drinking or anything like that or smoking or anything like that. So She's been really technically sober her whole life. (laughs) Um, But I don't have any, like, sober friends where I am. Um, And it would just be nice to 
have some people in like my living life, like my daily life um, in person to just like hang out with and do things that don't revolve around like drinking and stuff like that um, and go like do activities with and stuff like that. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to create this. <laughs> like I, I need it. So I'm going to create it. And then I had the idea of like, okay, well, so I have these friends that I meet on this app. Where are we going to go? <laughs> what are we going to do? Like, I have no idea. Um, also, when getting sober, I was also like, okay, I'm sober. What do I do now? <laughs> I don't have any hobbies. What, what, what do I do? <laughs> like, where do I go for these hobbies? Like, I have no idea. So I wanted to incorporate that piece too. Um, so that you'd meet these people and you'd have also an idea of like where to go. Um, that is changing now. The direction of the app is changing. Um, based on like user experience, we're changing it more towards the, we still have the connection part, but we're going to be gearing towards what to do um, in the area that you're in. Um, so we're really focusing on that. We have big changes happening, um, that I'm excited to announce soon. We have an update hopefully coming next week with like, finally with like the new, um, explore page, which is like, it's going to be super easy to navigate. You can search by tags, um, main tags, sub tags, all of that stuff. So it's gonna be super filterable. Um, um, and then just future brand changes like colors and stuff we've already implemented the color change on our instagram <laughs> a little bit more of like a gender neutral kind of color um so big things happening for that i'm excited <laughs> so my my first question is how the hell do you build an app you probably get that all the time huh obviously i know this probably isn't a simple answer either but i'm just like there's so many times and I'm like, there should be an app for that. And then I'm like, how do people even like, how does, how do you even start an app? How do you even find people that know how to create that? Like, how did that all happen for you? Um, luckily my mom works with, um, she runs a really random business. Um, but she works with a company that also happened like that does like websites and all that stuff, but they also happen to do app development. And so it's kind of like you can either do, so I have a friend um, who also has her own app in, she's in New York City. Um, it's called Cobble. If you're dating and you need some date ideas, <laughs> plug for Jordan. Um, <laughs> she did it differently than I did. So there's like two different ways that you can do it. You can um, hire your own developers. You can find your own developers. You can build your own kind of like, team that way um or you can use like a like an app firm kind of thing so the people that I use I just speak directly with the like project manager um so basically I design the stuff of how I want it to look I basically tell them what I want and they do the actual developing because I am not the biggest tech person I could not myself I could not develop an app like coding wise <laughs> I don't even know how like that's done but um that's how I went about it and um 
So you can do it either way. Both ways are expensive. Um, but that, I mean, that's, that's how I did it. I was like, mom, I want to do this. And my dad thought it was a great idea, which was like for the first time ever. My dad was like, oh, wow, that's a good idea. Okay. I'm like, okay, great. Like, <laughs> let's do this. So, um, I mean, from there, just like everything just kind of like started happening. And then a year and a half later, I was like, all right, let's launch this bitch. So it just be so awesome to be like, yeah, this is my fucking app. Like, I made this app. That's just like, that is like a dream and a lifelong goal of mine. So I'm just impressed and excited for you. It's wild. I- I've learned so much <laughs> um, about just creating an app in general. If I had to do it all over again, I would have like, I would do it a completely different way. Um, but of course, I had never launched an app before. I wasn't working really with anyone that was guiding me on how to launch an app. So I was like, let's just do this and this and this. And this looks great. And I went with like, you know, I didn't really know how to design something. My best friend, Sarah, she designed the initial app design. So what you're seeing is she designed it. Um, but I, I just kind of was like, you know what? We're going to do this, this, this. And I just went, here you go. <laughs> like, make this for me, please. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome that there is somebody out there like the app firm that you could go to with your idea, hand it off. I think it's like, I think that's like, specifically if you don't know what you're doing, if you don't have anyone um, to like help you along the way, um, it's definitely a good way to go, um, like to start out with instead of like hiring your own developers because you have to tell them exactly what you want in it's if you don't know all the terms and stuff like that you're like I don't know like what to tell you um so it's it's nice to have someone tell all the developers I think it's totally badass and we will actually put a link in the show notes so that people can go to the sober space app website and download the app on their phones if they want to do that too so um okay so last thing I want to ask you you talked a little bit about your best friend Sarah who helped you design the app And I know that you live in New York and she lives here in Washington. And as you know, me and Jessica live in completely different states now. So I am kind of curious, like some advice that you have for staying close and connected with your best friend when you do live so far apart. Um, well, so I met some background. I met Sarah at college, um, literally like the first day of college. (laughs) Um, we've been inseparable since, uh, but I think we've had some practice with not ever living in the same state because once I left college, I was back here in upstate New York and she was in Connecticut. Um, so I've always, we've always at least been like two hours away from each other. Um, but now, I mean, I can't exactly drive to see her anymore for a weekend. Um, so, I mean, Sarah and I have the friendship where like we can go a couple days without texting and then you know, just have like a texting spree. Um, one day we, um, I guess we just make it a point to stay in contact with each other. It's not really hard for us. I mean, it sucks being literally on the other side of the country (laughs) than my best friend, but we, we do it well. I, I mean, we just, I think we just, 
I don't know, we just text. I mean, we, we sometimes we use like um, Snapchat for like, just like visually like video messages. I like to send my friends video messages back and forth between Snapchat, just instead of like FaceTime, it's like on our own terms and we can at least see our face, like some, like our friend's face, which I think is important um, to visually see your friend sometimes, even if it's through like a phone or an app. Um, but I mean, we're always like sending each other stuff. Um, whether it be memes, I'm plaguing her with, um, post Malone memes, um, for the rest of her life. (laughs) She hates it. I love it. Um, I think they're hilarious. Um, but sometimes like if we're like not, um, if we haven't talked in a while, I'll break one of those out. (laughs) Damn it, Hannah. Like I'm, it's gonna be like the rest of her life. I'm just gonna be sending her post Malone memes. Just break the awkward silence with a post Malone meme. It's just like Post Malone's face in the ocean. It just says uh, Coast Malone or something. <laughs> so stupid, but I think it's so funny. She hates it, but I mean, we can have a laugh about it. Um, we have the same humor. We also complain about the same exact things. We're like the same person. So like, I know that like when I want to complain about something, I can just complain to her and she'll respond to me on her own time. Like I'm not ever like, upset if she doesn't text me back for a couple days like I know her like it's fine um we just make it a point to like talk every now and then um I think we only FaceTime she's not I mean I FaceTime all the time with my mom but like with my friends I don't really FaceTime that much um we FaceTime maybe like once a year (laughs) to be honest um just for like a little check-in I feel like Haley and I aren't big FaceTimers either of us like no. that's definitely like I would totally FaceTime Haley if, at some point for some reason, but I feel like that's definitely not like our preferred mode of communication. But no. luckily we also do host this podcast together. So we do see each other face to face once a week for like sure, which I feel like is definitely helpful. And then I feel like we have a couple trips upcoming to look forward to, which is helpful. Yes, I get to see you in a week. And I feel like we have like text threads going on like Instagram, text message, like just all the different places. The other day, Sarah and I had a conversation over Snapchat, which like rarely ever happens. But I mean, it is. I mean, she sent me a funny gift this morning and that was that was probably our communication for the day. But it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you don't feel like hurt if she doesn't reply to you. It sounds like you guys don't really have super high expectations of each other, too, which I think is helpful. Like, if Jessica got mad when I didn't reply to a text message, I'd be like, fuck, I'm sorry. Like, I was just busy or something, but I know she would not get mad. If you not replying to text messages was something that pissed me off, I would have had to break up this relationship a long time ago, Haley, because she is a terrible replier to text messages. I'm getting better now that my notifications are on. Sarah knows she is also bad at texting back so I do not take that personally at all that's for sure that's not what I value our friendship on it's really important to just know each other yes and I feel like the best friendships are the ones with the least expectations in my experience of friendships like I've had friends that have expected the world of me and I'm like what am I married to you like I can't handle this like 
you know, like life, there's shit going on in my life where I feel like Haley and I have never, like, I don't even think we've ever even had a discussion of expectations of each other or like even really ever had arguments about things like that. Like I've, I've never, I mean, there was one time when Haley was dating somebody that I didn't agree with that I was like, I feel like I never see you, but like that was a long time ago. That was in high school. So I mean, like, I feel like we've, it's always been easy for us. And I mean, yeah, it sucks to be across the country from each other, but at the same time, I haven't felt like stressed, like, oh my God, are we going to like not be friends anymore or is something going to happen? Like, I mean, we've been best friends since first grade. There's no change in it now, no matter how far there is between us. <laughs> We're locked in. <laughs> Yeah, Sarah's, Sarah and I have a matching tattoo, so she can't get rid of me. Hey, that's also something we're working on. So, yes, she's not allowed to get rid of me, um, or else she will look at her side boob and think of me every <laughs> single time. Wait, what's your tattoo? It's our birth flowers together in, like, a little vine around our boob. Oh, my God, so that's cute. so cute. It's okay, super cute. just taking ideas, for sure. <laughs> We have two, like, nice birth flowers, although I can't remember what they are, I'm going to be honest. But they're cute. That's all that matters. Sarah came up with the idea, and I was like, oh, yes, that's cute. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Um, so just before we go, I'm. can you let our listeners know, like, where they can find you, connect with you, see your content? Um, where can they do that? I'm all about – I'm all over Instagram. <laughs> um, you can follow Sober Space app um, on Instagram. Um, and then my personal handle is chronically ill sober bitch, except it's B T C H and not B I T C H. I do have a YouTube channel. Once uh, <laughs> once I get my energy back, I'll be back on that. But it's just Hannah Dordic um, on YouTube. I think I think that's it. Do offer like meditation sessions. I also do tarot. Um, and soon I'll be incorporating um creative therapy um along with the meditation sessions so make sure you guys go follow her just everything she shares on social media is very authentic it will be very validating if you're struggling with chronic illness and body image issues because of your chronic illness and stuff like that so definitely go follow Hannah and thank you for being on and making the time to talk with us today I really appreciate it Yes, thank you so much, Hannah. And you guys can make sure to follow us as well on Instagram at Social Soul Podcast. I love how you mentioned your YouTube channel and you're like, well, I'm kind of on it, but I'm not also. That's how we are on TikTok. And I always tell people to follow us on TikTok. And then I'm like, wait, but don't because we don't actually really post anything there. <laughs> but anyways, just yeah, make sure you follow Hannah. Make sure you follow us. And we'd love to hear our listeners feedback on the episode too and what their thoughts were. So thanks, Anna. Bye, guys.